Achieving Clarity podcast. My name is Ben Morley, an Air Force pilot turned consultant. Each episode, you will hear actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life, personal and professional, to achieve more clarity, purpose, and effectiveness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of practical clarity training. Hey everyone, I wanted to visit on the subject of the environments we work in. There is the finite versus the infinite, and there's the kind versus wicked. This is from chapter two of the online course that I'll be posting soon on my website, benmorley.com. Let us begin by understanding the realm you are living in, operating your business in right now. There are two realms, the finite and the infinite. Author Simon Sinek says a finite environment example includes the world of sports, where there are rules, jerseys, referees, a score that is tracked, and a certain amount of time to play the game in. There are boundaries, players, a beginning, and an end. The other realm exists in the infinite space. Life and business exist here, where there is no beginning and no end. These are games where there are no finish lines and no winners. There is no such thing as coming in first in marriage or friendships. Though your formal schooling may be finite, there is no such thing as winning education. You may beat other candidates for a job or a promotion, but no one is crowned the winner of careers. All of these are journeys, not events. In the infinite realm, there are infinite horizons. The primary objective is to keep playing, to perpetuate the game. When someone tries to transition into an infinite realm with a finite mindset, this can lead to all sorts of problems, most common of which are a decline of trust, cooperation, and innovation. It is very important to recognize the game you are in and what it takes to lead with an infinite mindset. It is also key to recognize the clues where finite thinking exists in our business and to make the necessary adjustments before real damage is done. Just like there are two realms of finite and infinite, there are also two environments you can operate in, kind and wicked. David Epstein describes kind environments as having patterns that repeat over and over. The feedback you receive is extremely accurate and usually very rapid. Golf and chess are two examples of a kind environment. A ball or piece is moved according to rules and is done so within defined boundaries, and a consequence is quickly apparent. In golf, you quickly know if you hit the ball too far or short, if it was a slice, a hook, or if it flies straight from your shot. The player observes their action, attempts to correct their error, tries again, and repeats this process for years. Somewhere in the world right now, players are likely doing that right as I speak. Actions in the kind environment improve with deliberate practice. They are qualified recipients of the 10,000-hour rule for mastering anything in life. And these actions tend to create a rush to engage in these activities as early as possible in life, 
to achieve specialization in technical training. This can help validate a parent's motivation to enroll their children at an early age in an activity defined by a kind environment. It is a kind environment because a learner improves simply by engaging in the activity and trying to do better. In a wicked environment, the rules of the game are often unclear or incomplete. There may or may not be repetitive patterns, and they may not be obvious. Feedback is often delayed, inaccurate, or both. Expert firefighters, when faced with a new situation, say from a house fire to a skyscraper, can find themselves deprived of the intuition formed in years of house fires and are prone to poor decisions. The wicked environment showed up for many of my classmates in my Air Force undergraduate pilot training. They had spent countless hours flying civilian aircraft like you see at your local community airport or flying club. They had developed great skills in the slower, propeller-driven environment of these aircraft. However, when these classmates entered pilot training, they were introduced to jet aircraft. Although navigational principles and basic aerodynamics were the same, the speed and complexity of the jet aircraft sadly proved too much for some students and they did not make it through the program. The skill sets they had developed in the slower environment became too rigid and proved to be a hindrance to their success in this new realm. An applicable term here is cognitive entrenchment. Cognitive entrenchment is the act of experienced groups becoming rigid under pressure and regressing to what they know best. Most of us suffer from it. For example, when experienced accountants were asked in a study to use a new tax law for deductions, they did worse than novices. Novices perform better than experts when the rules are changed. Why? Because of cognitive entrenchment. Back to my pilot training explanation. Other classmates of mine had very limited flying experience when they arrived at pilot training. Their first aircraft they flew was in the introductory flight course at the Air Force Academy I described in my Mission Hacks document. They were novices, and yet they excelled in pilot training. The goal is to work toward achieving cognitive flexibility the ability to apply knowledge to new situations and different domains, which is the opposite of cognitive entrenchment. A great example of cognitive flexibility is Chesley Sully Sullenberger, who with co-pilot Jeffrey Skiles guided U.S. Airways Flight 320 to land in the Hudson River. Sully was an expert. He had 19,000 hours of flying under his belt. His engines lost power due to multiple bird strikes, and he and Skiles started working the checklists you run in an emergency emergency situation like this. Air traffic control advised him to turn back to LaGuardia Airport, where he had just departed from, but he did not have the altitude or the airspeed to make that happen. Sully executed a perfect ditching of the aircraft in the Hudson River, a feat that was exceptionally hard to replicate later by pilots in aircraft simulators. 
He was so low when the incident occurred that he and Skiles were not able to complete the necessary checklist in this situation. Sully saw the opportunity, made the decision, and saved everyone on board. If Sully had followed the rules and air traffic control's advice, he would have crashed. I tell you all of this because pretending the world is like golf and chess is comforting. It makes for a tidy, kind world message and some very compelling books. The problem is, this is not a realistic representation of the world, probably not of your business, and adopting this framework could torpedo the process we will be working on together through this course. According to friends of mine in the consulting world, experts advise the opposite of the strict version of the 10,000 hours school of thought. Vary your challenges within a domain drastically and insist on having one foot outside of your world. Consider listening to different opinions within your business Bring in team members on a project from a completely different department. More on that later. Solicit feedback from other locales, if appropriate. Life is infinite, my friends, and it exists in a wicked environment. And you are transitioning your business within these operating realms. This course will equip you with the tools to not only survive, but thrive in an infinite, wicked environment. I hope that helps, guys. Hope you're having a great day. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Achieving Clarity podcast. We hope you liked it. To hear more tools and strategies to help you in your personal and professional life, subscribe to our podcast. Thank you again. Thank you.